Thanks for checking out the Christian Life Austin podcast. If this is your first time listening, make sure to check us out at clcaustin.com for more info on how you can connect with us. We trust that you will enjoy today's message. Thank you for listening. Kind of starting a a little mini series here tonight on Wednesday. And uh, this this is not this is not what the series is going to be called, but I'm just kind of giving you a, a prelude to, to what's coming. I'm going to speak tonight on the need for Jesus. The need for Jesus. You folks know that I preach Christ and am crucified. Uh, Paul said, I don't want only anything among you except him. That's all I want to know. Paul could speak nine languages and uh, he had a lot of tough stuff in his life, but he said, I don't want anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I think that's the gospel. I think sometimes we get away from that and we start talking about I'm okay, you're okay, and all that kind of stuff. We forget the fact that the main thing has got to remain the main thing in this church, and that's Jesus Christ and crucified. So we're going to talk about the need for Jesus tonight. I'm going to ask you to do some calisthenics with me tonight. Stand up one more time. I'm going to ask you to sit down one more time. In a minute. I might be a little mischievous tonight. I just might be. I want you to say, Pastor, preach to us tonight. Let the word touch my mind. Let it change my mind. Preach the word to us tonight. Let the word touch my heart. Let it change my heart. Preach the word to us tonight. Let me leave here. Different person. And what it was when it came in. Now turn to two or three people and say, I'm glad to be in church with you tonight. And I love you. And you may be seated in the name of the Lord. Y'all are awesome people. Pretty good looking crowd out here. I just admire the people that come in and you can tell they've come straight from work. I so admire that. Some of you hadn't even had lunch or dinner and uh, you're coming to church and that, that, that's incredible to me. And God honors that. He really does. He honors that. And I want you to know that. One day a little girl was playing with her paper dolls and these were special, special paper dolls. They were all Bible characters. And suddenly the girl realized that Jesus, the Jesus paper doll was missing <laughs> Jesus was missing. And the mom and the daughter looked all over the house but couldn't find Jesus anywhere. And later that afternoon, the little girl came running to her with some good news and said, Mama, I have found Jesus. Said he was in one of Daddy's magazines. And the daughter proudly held out her new Jesus. The mom gasped as she took the picture from the daughter's hands. It was a picture of a tall, bearded, homeless man dressed in rags, but because of his long hair and his beard, he did resemble the child's paper doll, Jesus. And as the mom reflected on Jesus's own words about the poor and the powerless, she agreed that her little girl had found Jesus. An older lady in a church one night had a dream about placing an order through a Sears catalog. For those who are a little older, you remember that publication. Only this was no ordinary Sears catalog. In it, she could order the Jesus of her choice. There was a Jesus as a seminary professor with a pipe and a tweed jacket. There was Jesus the farmer with calluses on his hands and dirt under, the, under his fingernails. 
There was a suburban church going Jesus with a suit and tie. And there was a Hispanic Jesus, a black Jesus, an Asian Jesus, and a feminist Jesus who enabled bent women to stand up. And in the dream, I'm just, I'm just telling the story, folks. And in the dream, the lady chose one and ordered that Jesus. And she received a Jesus, but it was different from the one she had ordered. So she ordered another Jesus and again one different than she had chosen. And this happened again and again and again. And every time she received a Jesus who differed from the one she had ordered, she received not the one she asked for, but one that they sent her. And the message of her dream became clear to her the next day. If she started where she was, what she really longed for, Jesus would come into her life and give her. And he was always different from her expectations, always wonderfully surprising to her. As the voice from the burning bush told Moses, Jesus in her dream would be who he would be. Writer Philip Yancey, a man that I've read after a whole lot in my young life and now in my older life, I don't read him as much, but I've, I've, I've put a lot of stuff away that I read. And he once presented us several dozen slides to a group of students in the U.S. showing the way that Jesus was portrayed in a variety of cultures around the world. He then asked the students to describe what they thought Jesus looked like. Nearly the entire group suggested that Jesus was tall, very unlikely for a first century Jew. Most said he was handsome and no one said he was overweight. And Yancey then showed them a film featuring a pudgy actor playing Christ. And most students found this film offensive. And Yancey concluded that our glamorized representations of Jesus say more about us than they say about him. I want to talk about finding Jesus tonight. The real Jesus. John 6 and 24 is a powerful scripture. said once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there. They got into the boats and went to Capernaum. Everybody say in search, in search. of Jesus. Jesus. In search of Jesus. This verse is, follows the feeding of the 5,000 in John 6. The crowd of seekers knew that someone quite unique was in their presence. Here was a man with wondrous, wondrous powers. Jesus had great powers. A magician might pull a rabbit out of a hat, but no magician can take five small barley loaves and two little old sardine fish and feed 5,000 men plus women and children. That's not a magic man. That's a wonder working man. Say amen to that. And any reasonable person would say that it was impossible, but with God, all things are possible. See, there were witnesses galore who attested that it really happened. And it, it is mostly widely reported. It's the most widely reported miracle in all the Bible. It's the greatest miracle that people talk about in the Bible besides Lazarus being raised from the dead. And people couldn't believe their eyes. And they couldn't believe their stomachs. What kind of man is this, they said. We're still asking that question more than 2,000 years later. What kind of man is this? I had one of our, our ushers come to me before church tonight. And there's a young man down in San Antonio that, that, that uh, threw up in his sleep and then aspirated. And it went down into, his, into the wrong regions of his body. And he was, he was on a life support and he was going to die. He was going to die. And my brother walked up to me and he said, Pastor, I told my son, let's go down. I feel like praying for that young man. Amen. 
So they went down to San Antonio and the people, I don't know if they're believers or not, but when they got there, they allowed Brother Charles and his son to pray for this, this young man. And they walked in and they spoke some words of Jesus and, and they laid hands on this young man and said, God, you're able to do anything. They wasn't talking to a magic man. They were talking to a wonder working power man. They wasn't talking to some magician that could pull rabbits out of the hat. They was talking to somebody that could heal. And they said, when you leave today, in about an hour, we're going to pull the plug and he will die tonight. They called back later. The people called back later and said, Brother Charles, our son was taken off the respirator. But instead of dying, he started breathing on his own. And the next day they called back and said, Brother Charles, he's talking. He's already talking. And he's going to go home. You know why? This is not magic Jesus. This is the wonder working Jesus. And I will tell you that the Jesus, oh hallelujah, that fed 5,000 men plus women and children still has the ability to draw people unto him and to do the miraculous in our hearts and our lives. And this preacher on the first Wednesday of February 2017 stands here and declares, we still serve a wonder-working, miracle-performing Jesus Christ in our lives. Yes, we do. He can do anything. Hallelujah. Forgive me for getting outside myself. I'm going to do it. I'm going to get on this side in a minute. Not this. People are still searching for Jesus today. Rich people, poor people, young people, old people, people of every race, people of every nationality. We're still trying to find that Jesus. Not everybody, of course. There are some people who, if Jesus came to their town, would run the opposite direction. They want no part of him. The world is full of physical and material pleasure. And you know that. Coming in contact with Jesus would upset their comfortable lifestyle. Their cry is the cry of the young unconverted Augustine before he knew the Lord. Lord, save me, but not yet. <laughs> not yet. Someday, they'll confront the harsh realities of life, but right now they're content to eat and to drink and to be merry. And they'll take their chances that tonight will not be the night when the soul will be required of them. And I sound like an evangelist right now. But I think that everybody in this world needs the Jesus that I'm preaching about tonight. There are a sizable minority of people who have no desire to find Jesus, not yet. But one day, every knee will bow. One day, every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every, every knee is going to bow. Say, every knee is going to bow. Right now, cancer has to bow. Right now, heart condition has to bow. Right now, tuberculosis has to bow. Right now, sugar diabetes has to bow. Right now, things that halt us and hold us back from being a full person has to bow. But then every knee will bow. And I declare, I declare that this month, God is going to do some things in this church that's going to defy description. He's already started it. He's going to continue it because everybody in Austin needs a miracle. They need the miracle working power of Jesus Christ in their life. They need it. Wow. Hallelujah. So, I, 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 I got this whittled down to three kinds of people I think need Jesus. 
The first kind of people that need Jesus are people that are on the verge of losing hope. They need the Lord. People that are losing hope need the Lord. In hospital beds, in foreclosure cells, in addiction centers, all over the nation, there are people who are fast losing the last vestiges of this critical commodity called hope. Hope. On the, on the screen, it's been said that we can live many weeks without food, a few days without water, but not an hour without hope. We need hope. Dr. Wolf, who was a professor, is a professor of medical school at Cornell, did a study on the effects of hope in the human body. And here's his conclusion. When a person has hope, he says they're capable of bearing incredible burdens and cruel punishment. But when hope is gone, people fall apart emotionally and physically and spiritually. I read a story not long ago about a woman who was addicted to cigarettes at a very early age in her life. And by the time the doctor met her, she was had a severe case of emphysema. And uh, she also had a number of other critical and chronic medical conditions, but the emphysema was her worst problem. And so, sadly, the disease was in the final stage. They called it stage four. There was little doctors could do medically other than just keep her comfortable. She was declining quickly, and they began planning for the end of her life. But predicting death is extremely difficult sometimes on these patients. Sometimes we say, the doctor says it's a week or a month, and they'll live a year. And then sometimes doctors say a year and they're dead the next day. And that's how the same way with meteorologists to tell them to determine our weather. <laughs> but for Eva, it did appear the end was near. She had virtually no strength. She couldn't walk. She couldn't carry on any daily living activity. Without help, she slept for long periods of time. She entered the hospital for what the doctor was sure for her last day there. Then it happened. Her daughter became pregnant with a baby. And a baby that Eva had always wanted. Eva made a rally that surprised everyone. Her strength came back. But more important, her will to live was renewed because of hope. Because of hope. Within days, she was released from the hospital. She walked from the wheelchair to her husband's car with no assistance. And when the doctor in charge delivered the baby girl 32 weeks later, the grandmother was there to witness the miracle. She was radiant. She was beaming as she held her first grandchild in her arms. And they named her Eva after grandma. It was six weeks later that grandma died. Isn't it amazing what hope can do for somebody? I want you to turn to someone right now and I want you to say, we have hope in Jesus. Say it. We have hope in Jesus. Say it loud. We have hope. We have hope in Jesus Christ. The doctor said, this story is not unusual. For most physicians, it's commonplace. We've witnessed time and again the impact of hope and a strong sense of destiny on a patient's health and on the living of life itself. Weeks without food, days without water, but not an hour without hope. People in this society today are on the verge of losing hope. Elections do not change that. We are in a cauldron of stuff right now that is wearisome to America. Can I talk? I want to say something else too. I want to be pastor here just a moment and if you leave here aggravated, let me pray through before Sunday, okay? <laughs> if, if you are a strong political person, don't, don't go on Facebook and down somebody else. 
don't, don't talk, don't talk either right or left. Don't talk about that stuff because it brings division to the body of Christ. Because we're not here about who's in the palace. We're here about who's on the throne. Please, please. I'm not being, I'm not being, I'm not, I'm not aggravated about it, but please don't. I had, I had a dear friend of mine who lost precious families in their church because some people would not shut up about elections and about this and about that and putting this down and picking this up and putting that down. And all of a sudden it became bigger than life. You hear me, folks. The only thing that matters in this world is us knowing Jesus Christ. And I, I, I somebody said, are you post-trib or pre-trib or mid-trib, whatever? I'm pan-trib. I think everything's going to pan out. Everything's going to be all right. You know why? Because I'm walking with Jesus Christ. And he's not a magician. He's a miracle worker. And he can take care of us. And he can give us the hope that we need. Say, Jesus is my hope. Come on, say it. Jesus is my hope. I don't sweat when somebody that I don't like gets in office. I don't sweat about that. They're, they're not my destiny. Jesus is my destiny. Jesus is my destiny. But we are living in a time that's difficult. People are concerned about their jobs, are concerned about family members, concerned about their own health. There's a lot of concern in the world. But I bring Jesus tonight. I know it sounds so simple, but I bring Jesus tonight. Hallelujah. When he was walking down the road one day, a man cried out, said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And his name was Bartimaeus and he was blind. And not only did lepers wear clothes that identified themselves, so did blind people. And the Lord stopped and he said, bring him to me. Now, why didn't he go to Bartimaeus? He was blind, but he wanted Bartimaeus to do something. When Bartimaeus heard, bring him to me, the Bible said, read this in your Bible, that he cast in aside his garment. Do you understand that? Before he ever came in the presence of Jesus, he cast aside his garment, which meant I may not have my healing yet, but I'm taking off whatever garment that identifies me with blindness because I'm going into the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And when he came to him, he was already ready to receive his healing. Some people want the Lord to come to where you are. It's time for us to turn it around and say, I'm coming to where you are. I want my healing. I need hope. I need victory in my life tonight. Woo, hallelujah. The need for Jesus. People on the verge of losing hope, losing hope need Jesus. The second people that need Jesus are people who have no purpose for living. There's a lot of folks who have lost purpose. It's, it, it's sad to be saved and no purpose. It's sad to be saved and not have purpose in your life. This is probably a larger group than those without hope. There are many people today bored out of their minds with life. They buy nicer and nicer toys and enjoy them less and less. They are sated with things, but void of any driving purpose in their life. I read an amusing story about a teenager I'll call Tyler because there's a kid in this church named Tyler that I really love, so I'm going to name him Tyler. <laughs> Tyler was walking on the street one day when he realized two young thugs were flanking him on either side. Give me your wallet, one of the thugs insisted. I have a gun. Give me your wallet or I'll shoot you. Tyler said no. 
Hey, man, you don't understand. We're robbing you. Give me your wallet, the other thug insisted. No, said Tyler defiantly. Give me your wallet or I'll stick a knife in you, the first thug said angrily. No, said Tyler. Give me your wallet or we'll beat you up, the other thug demanded. Actually, by now, the thug was pleading more than he was demanding. <laughs> no, said Tyler. Once again, he kept walking and a few steps later realized that the two thugs had disappeared. As he relayed the story to a friend, the friend asked, weren't you scared? He said, yeah, I was scared. He said, why didn't you give him your wallet then? He said, because my learner's permit was in it. <laughs> and I've been wanting to drive a car all my life. <laughs> I love that. Those of you who remember, when you first got a driver's license, that learner's permit, you understand. Tyler was moving forward in his life. The learner's permit was the next step. He had a purpose. It was important to him. What happens when you run out of things to look forward to? What happens when life is flat, when it seems no longer to hold any mastery or mystery or meaning or purpose? That's when you need Jesus. And there's people that used to dream that don't dream anymore. And there's people that used to say, God, you can do anything. They say, God, can you do something now? And there used, there used to be people that would say, God, you're bigger than anything. God, are you bigger than that rock right now? Because we have lost the purpose of our belief and system of him. Can I talk to you? Because I know without a shadow of a doubt, this thing is not a sprint. It's a, it's a marathon. And you have to run a long time to get to where you want to go. Boy, I wish at the altar I could say, well, I'm going to finish this thing in about five steps. Boom, 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 boom. And I'm there. No, no. I've been running a long time. I've had some highs. I've had some lows. I've had some good. I've had some bad. I've had some down times and some up times. I've had some times when I thought I wasn't going to make it. I had some time when I thought, God, I'm going to home with you right now. But I'm telling you, when you lose purpose, you need Jesus in your life. When you lose purpose, you need Jesus in your life. And I'm preaching to people that may be staggering and stumbling with a thing called purpose. It doesn't mean you're lost. It just means that you've lost your way with purpose. And I declare that this is the year to return to the purpose that the Lord has for me in my life. Mm, hallelujah. A woman was very, very sick in a hospital, but they couldn't keep her in her bed. Every night she'd get up and she'd go to somebody else's room and sit on the side of their bed and give them comfort. And they finally said, sir, you're going to have to keep your, your wife in bed. She's bothering the other people. She won't stay in her bed. She was very, very sick, very, very ill. And yet she wouldn't stay in her bed. She got up and she'd go to somebody else's bed and she'd comfort them, hold her hand. And while they were sobbing, she'd pray for them. And finally the husband said, honey, you're going to have to stay in your bed. She said, I can't. I can't stay in my bed. God, God don't want me to stay in my bed. He wants me to bless other people. But honey, you're sick. You're sick. She said, I know I'm sick, but I sure feel better when I'm helping other people. And when she died, when she died, when she died, the husband started getting all kinds of cards. He thought because of the nurses that she was bothering people. And the people wrote him and said, your wife was like an angel in the night to me. Your wife came and prayed for me and my headache was relieved and my body didn't hurt anymore and I slept soundly because your wife came. You know what? I don't care if you're sick. I don't care if you're aged. I don't care where you are in life. You still have a purpose in life. And people without a purpose are the ones that need Jesus. Come on. It's not just about being saved or lost. It's about doing something on purpose for the kingdom of God. 
Come on, you got a song, sing it. You got a you got a, a tune, hymn it. You got a you got a, a sermon, preach it. You got a testimony, tell it. You got to do something in this hour. You can't lose your purpose in life. Say amen to that. I believe that. People have no purpose, need a Jesus in their life. No hope, no purpose, no meaning. And there's one more group of people that I want to talk about, and then I'll let you go. People who have great emptiness in their lives need Jesus. Everybody say no hope. Everybody say no purpose. Everybody say an emptiness. The Bible said there would come a day when people would have a form of godliness. But deny the power. This is why we run out of hope. This is why we have no purpose when we're empty within. There is no reason to go on. Dr. Harry Fosdick. I read after him was a pastor of Riverside Church in New York City. He's one of the most influential pastors in America. He said this, the saddest failure of church is not hypocrisy. He said, I bear witness after many years in the ministry that I have run into very little conscious, deliberate hypocrisy. But the saddest failure of church is that there are so many people who have never gone beneath the form of religion to find the power which is at its very heart. Let me just step back here and say this. I am an old-fashioned preacher sometimes. And right now I'm feeling real old-fashioned. And I want to declare that I can preach just about any style. But the style I'm about to preach is the style I want to preach. I want to rear back and say, Jesus, we need the Holy Ghost power in this church. We need your Holy Ghost power in this church. We need your healing in this church. We need deliverance in this church. We need victory in this church. Do you know why people are finding Christian Life Church? Because we're still attempting to have a move of God in our services. It's not just a seeker-friendly mindset, but the old-fashioned Holy Ghost can still move in and lives can be changed and hearts can be transformed and people can be healed and people can be delivered and that's what it's all about. It's not a form of godliness, but denying the power. It's saying, I want the power of God in our church and I want the Holy Ghost to move in our Oh, hallelujah. It's imperative that we have the Holy Ghost. I love to hear stories of people say, Pastor, when I was a kid, we used to go to youth camp and man, we'd have church. Man, we'd have church. And that's so good to hear those stories because I got some too. Some of my AG buddies in this church are, <laughs> used to go to the same kind of youth camps I went to. And people would fall out and they'd get healed and, pardon me for saying, sometimes roll around a little bit. Get some sawdust on them. But we've kind of eased away from that. And we still love the religiosity of it and talking about it. But why does all that have to be past stuff? Why can't the Holy Ghost still deliver? Why can't the Holy Ghost still transform people? Why can't it still work in our church? Why can't the the boisterous praise of hallelujah still ring in this house? 
Why can't somebody say, I rest my soul in thee, O God. I, I give my everything because I didn't have any hope and I found you. I didn't have a purpose and I found you. And I know when I'm running on empty, where to get the fuel to put me back in the race. It's all in the power of Jesus Christ. And I want you to know that we're don't, we don't have to be stupid doing this. We can have beautiful worship in this house. We can have good old hand clapping and praising God in this house that just absolutely reverberates heaven. And it's all right. We don't have to lose ourselves in all that. We don't have to say, well, I'm just going to go crazy. No, you don't have to go crazy. You can stay sane and love Jesus Christ with all your heart. Amen. 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 I'm telling you right now, this service, this service tonight is a small portion of what God wants to give us fully in our lives. I'm not just saying every service ought to be a brouhaha, but I'm saying that people with no hope need more than just a thought. People with no purpose need more than just a, a little thought. People that have no, no purpose in life and people that are empty in life need more than just a thought. They need a resurrected power of God to come in their heart. Come on, clap your hands real big. They need a resurrected power to come. Woo! You may be an officer in the church, maybe a teacher in Sunday school, but if you never really open yourself up to Jesus, you never feast it on the real bread of life. You've got to open yourself up to Jesus. I tell my staff from time to time, I said, guys, keep your prayer life going. Keep your prayer life going. And every now and then, let God just break in on you. Just let him break in on you. After all, he's, he gets to call the shots. Not us. I tell this story and I conclude. I've, I've messed some of y'all's theology up. There's a story about an old recluse who lived deep in the mountains of Colorado. And when he died, certain relatives from the city came to collect his valuables. I've told this before. Upon arriving, they saw an old shack with an outhouse. Inside the shack next to the fireplace was an old cooking pot with some mining equipment. A cracked table holding a kerosene lamp and a three-legged chair stood by the tiny window. In the dark corner of the little room was a dilapidated cot and a threadbare bedroll on it. The relatives picked up some of the old relics and a few pictures and started to leave. And as they were driving away, an old friend of the recluse on his mule flagged them down. Do you mind if I help myself to what's left in the friend's cabin, he asked. Go right ahead, they replied, kind of laughing. After all, what's inside that shack couldn't be worth anything. The old friend entered the shack and walked directly over to the table and he reached under it and lifted up one of the floorboards and he then proceeded to take out enough gold to build a palace. His friend had been collecting it for 53 years. And the recluse died with only his friend knowing how much he was truly worth. And as the friend looked out the window and watched the cloud of dust behind the relative's car disappear, he said, they should have got to know him better. Sometimes, sometimes, when I read about a Jesus that did at least 150 miracles. Miracles that were unexplainable miracles. Miracles that couldn't be explained away. When I read about a Jesus that resurrected from the grave. When I read about a Jesus that ascended. When I read about a Jesus coming back again. When I think about all the things he did to break the laws of gravity. The laws of reason. The laws of all those things. And then I try to put him in this little old box. 
and say, I'm going to give you about an hour and seven minutes of my time on Sunday, about an hour and six minutes on Wednesday night, and we're just going to have a little good church and go home. No, 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 no. That's religiosity. I want people to come in here and receive hope. I want people to come in here and receive purpose. I want people to come in here that are running on empty and get refilled. Amen. That's what it's all about. And so we need a Jesus like the Jesus of the Bible. Can you clap your hands and say, I want that Jesus in my life. I want him. I want him. That's what I want. That's what I want. That's what I want. Everybody say, he's the same yesterday, yesterday. Today, today, and forever. forever. That means the days of miracles are not over. He's still a miracle working God. Woo. I guarantee if I had people stand up here tonight, I'm fixing to stop. I'm fixing to close, Lord. I, no, I hadn't gone over. I'm good. I don't mean I'm good. That means I'm good with the time. I, uh, man, I've enjoyed preaching tonight. Dear Jesus. Man. Wow. So, so bottom line, we're not trying to, we're not trying to make you go crazy for Jesus. We're just trying to make you believe in the Jesus of the Bible. He can do and will do anything to help us in our need. He is the God of hope. So he's a God of hope. He's a God of purpose. And he's the God that feels. Hallelujah. Nobody like Jesus. Nobody like Jesus. And that concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening.